0: JYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Federal student loan payments have been on pause since early on in the pandemic, but now the debt is due. Federal loans will start accruing interest again September 1st, and minimum payments resume in October. Millions of people who have been able to spend money elsewhere for the past few years might have to start tightening their belts to make those payments. So, what could that mean for our economy
1: and for those individuals? Certainly, if you have to start resuming payments and you're able to, then that money that's going towards that fixed payment has got to come from somewhere in your own personal budget.
0: I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, we talk with Dr. Samuel Rosen, Assistant Professor of Finance at Temple University's Fox School of Business, about the state of student loan debt. Is there any chance left for loan forgiveness? How much will it help the government to be getting these payments again? And what recourses are there for people who have trouble repaying? So I want to start by kind of giving people context with student loans set for payments to restart ballpark. How much money are we talking? That's in play here that people will uh, have to start repaying.
1: Yeah, good. Good to set the, the aggregate numbers here. So there's about 1.6 trillion in outstanding federal loan student debt uh, and that is across approximately 45 million borrowers. Now those numbers are from 2021, but I'm assuming the numbers as of today are are pretty similar.
0: When these restart, is it legitimate to think that the overall
1: economy will feel an impact? So in my opinion, uh, I wouldn't expect there to be much of an impact from from these uh starting repayment. And and I think there's a, a few reasons why and I think one thing just to keep in mind, you know, we talk about aggregate numbers, is just even to put in context of how many people out there, you know, have outstanding loans relative to the overall population. Where I think when we when we think about economic impacts, we expect a lot of people to be affected by these types of policies. And when it comes to student loan debt, you know, only about maybe one in five working age adults actually has student loan balances. Um, so you you combine that with the fact that people who you would say, are extremely burdened by their student loan debt, the people who who perhaps benefited the most from the recent pause, that's going to even be a smaller set of the people with outstanding borrowers. So so that's the, the kind of one major reason is that we're, we're really not talking about a, a too large part of the population, at least when you think about overall. Now, the other thing that I think is going to be uh, at least a mitigating factor in terms of any sort of economic impact is the way that I've seen the administration at least rolling out or giving people expectations about what the payments are going to look like. And so one thing that they've been doing is kind of hyping up or, or implementing some of these new policies about pushing people into to income deferment plans and and other ways to make sure that that payments are not necessarily going to, to really be a, a strong financial hardship on people. And within those communications, you also see things about how, oh, if you are struggling to make payments or you miss certain payments, that they're not going to necessarily go after people in the way that they feasibly could, given that there uh, would be delinquent on debt. So I think that the fact that people who are perhaps expecting that the collections aspect is not going to be as, as stringent Uh, Also, wouldn't necessarily be as worse off when when payments start, assuming they actually can't begin making the payments.
0: Is this a benefit for the government in any way, having this money come in these federal student loans? Uh, Does the Treasury benefit at all from this? And, you know, because we are you're taking that money kind
1: of out of the economy. But does it help the government coffers? So from the government's perspective, it's definitely a benefit to start resuming payments. Uh, We actually were talking about one year after we previously chatted about the student loan forgiveness plan. And and one thing I I brought up uh, during that conversation, I'll reiterate right now, is just the general idea that the idea of forgiveness in the first place was something that was ultimately a policy about transferring resources from one group to another, Uh, really taking kind of government budgets or at least potential money that the government could use for other things and and using it to forgive student loan debt right it's hard to argue that that's not essentially what was going on and so that policy the forgiveness policy which now has been you know struck down or, or not allowed by the Supreme Court you know that was estimated to cost the government about 400 billion dollars right because that would have been, money that the government would have collected that they, or would have collected, if not for forgiveness, that they're no longer collecting. And so exactly along the same lines, now that they're starting to resume payments, and presumably many people with the means to to begin paying their loans will start paying again, that is cash flows now coming in to the government, where let's remember all of this federal student loan debt is owned by the government, and therefore this money goes to pay back the debt that they originally gave to borrowers.
0: I think the Biden administration is trying another legal track to try to do what they wanted to do here. Uh, and I know you're not a lawyer, but from what you understand, do you think it's possible that this new track that they're, they're trying to take could be successful?
1: So you're, you're right. Not, not a lawyer. And, and I've uh, seen maybe similar, similar sentiments to, that, that you mentioned about they're trying to find a different legal justification for the same forgiveness plan. And there, you know, the, estimates or the you know, legal discourse I've seen said that, oh, it'll take a long time, maybe over a year to perhaps even present that strategy and try to implement it from a, a legal perspective. But that's that's in terms of, let's say, re-implementing the same policy or at least the similar policy of loan forgiveness. Now, at the same time, what the administration has been doing recently, kind of alternative efforts, you could call them, are going to have some similar effects to what loan forgiveness trying to do in the first place. Student loan forgiveness at its core is is not so much about economic stimulus, or at least I don't see it that way. It's more about helping out a group of people who were given a lot of debt to attend schools that perhaps didn't provide the return that they were supposed to. And so these people with this, this undischargeable student loan debt, this large um, financial burden suddenly uh, would find themselves or, or have themselves in a situation where that's creating uh, financial hardships in, in, in other ways. So that's where forgiveness wa- was trying to go, was trying to help kind of those subset of people. Now, what the administration has been doing recently is things like accelerating loan forgiveness that the student loan debt programs already had in effect. So federal student loans, they have certain features where if you don't pay them back in a certain amount of years or even this this idea of income driven repayment, which is not the standard format. So people borrow money and they're paid back at a fixed rate. But there's there's always been this income uh, repayment options where you can enroll in this program that actually your payments are not based on some fixed amount, but actually based on your earnings after after college. You know, we're we're trying to help someone who has a lot of debt, and didn't necessarily even graduate, or, or 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 actually achieve a higher paying job through their education. This is one thing they've rolled out recently, just making it way easier to move into that payment option. Apparently, they have this new website where it takes you know ten minutes to to enroll in, in an income driven payment option, where the the actual process of moving over to that that option in the past has been. Uh, surprisingly difficult. So I think that's that's one thing they've done that actually should go in the direction of of, of helping people, just because they're allowing them to move over to that type of loan uh, easier. Now, to what we said earlier about the idea that hey, this is something where if you're forgiving loans or you're charging people less interest, it's it's hurting the the government financially because you're going to have lower payments coming in from those borrowers. And this is something that I've seen. Has an expected cost of somewhere between 140 to 360 billion dollars. Where you compare that to that kind of original 400 billion dollar price tag, you can see that the the administration is still implementing or kind of tweaking their their policies now in a way where they're still effectively you know reducing the burden of student loan debt on the people that are repaying it.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Samuel Rosen right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KWW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Samuel Rosen of Temple University's Fox School of Business. You said kind of off the top when we were talking that you didn't think this would because it is... Kind of a a small subset of a of a small subset of people that Mm -hmm. are really burdened by this. Uh, But that being said, is there any area that you think we could see an economic impact? You know, because would this take money out of things like you know tourism, entertainment? Because I would imagine that would kind of be the first things that come off the table for a lot of people is you know going out to eat, maybe getting that new car, stuff like that. Uh, You know, when I say impact, I don't mean huge, but something where we look at a line graph and we can say okay. You can see a difference in in that sector from A to B.
1: No, I I think uh, here I I don't have any kind of special data or analysis to really underpin this. But I would say that the the logic behind that certainly makes sense, where if you think about, uh, you know, a large financial burden, you think about these kind of ongoing fixed payments, you know, forgetting the idea of, you know, lowered payments or anything like that. Certainly, if you have to start resuming payments and you're able to, then that money that's going towards that fixed payment has got to come from somewhere in your own personal budget. And I think things you mentioned, things that, that uh, you might use the term discretionary, you know, vacations or, or, you know, non necessary purchases, right. That those certainly would be the likely area that I think someone would reduce their budget. in if they had to move more funds over to to start servicing a debt that that's now um, being repaid.
0: And once again, I, I don't want to dump this on you because I know you're not a lawyer, but it it seems to me the government is the one getting paid back. The Biden administration, quote unquote, the government, is the one that said we want to end this. If they were to just go and say, the heck with it, we're just zeroing it out. What happens? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, who who's being harmed that would bring a case or say that they shouldn't have done this? That That's one of the things... With this getting into the courts that I never quite understood is, you know, as a layman, like who's being harmed if the people who are supposed to take the money back are the ones that say they don't want it?
1: Well, there is so I think the the one kind of group that's missing in there, uh, when you kind of mention this idea of, oh, you know, if it's the government's debt and they're forgiving it for people, kind of who who's being harmed there? And 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 the, the short answer is it's kind of everybody at the same time. Um, right? So you have the, there's a clearly beneficial group if you just forgave all debt. I mean, this is a made up policy, right? Because that's not what they were actually thinking about. They weren't going to forgive all debt. They had this kind of limits per person and they, they had a somewhat targeted approach. Uh, but let's kind of just forget about that for a moment. Just imagine that the the, the government just forgave all student loan debt. Well, certainly people with outstanding student loan gov- debt, you know, the 45 million people we mentioned at the, the beginning, those people would be better off. Uh, but then who who's worse off? Well, we really just have to remember that when the government spends money or forgives debt that it would have received payment on, that means that if it wants to continue with the same spending plans, it has to get the money from elsewhere. Right. And so, from a budget perspective, the government could borrow more money, it could cut expenditures, it could raise taxes through some combination. You know, things have to sum up uh, at the government budget level. And so therefore, if you thought about it purely from maybe the tax channel that, oh, if they don't collect money on this debt, they have to, you know, raise taxes enough to kind of offset that. Well, then that's how everyone effectively is, is paying for a policy like that. And I think back to the reason of, you know, why people were against this policy in the first place, I think that's essentially it is that uh, people viewed the, the, the administration's policy of, of forgiving, uh, you know, even partial amounts of debt. As a large government expenditure that was being done, not through the proper channels, at least that's the way I've always read the discussion of it is that it was some sort of executive overreach where the, the administration was effectively spending a large amount of government money without going through the proper process. And you know, as we know, at the that the the federal level, right, processes are important. You see the the ongoing uh, you know debt limit debates and things like that. And in fact, that's the reason why payments are starting now again, which is that the administration, you know, starting back in 2020, the the Trump administration initially paused payments. You know, the Biden administration effectively just continued kicking that policy down the road and pausing payments again. But now we're at the point where given these uh, debt ceiling uh, agreements, they actually can't can't do that. Right. So even if they, they wanted to, they basically have to start payments uh, in October. And so that's the reason why the administration at the same time, you mentioned that, hey, it's the government's debt. They can kind of handle it the way they want. It does seem like they're at least trying to give the expectation that we're not going to be too hard on people. If when payments resume, they really can't start paying again.
0: When this was first announced about a year, well, almost exactly a year ago, as per our our last conversation, one of the things you saw people pushing back was the PPP loans that happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And to the point, the White House Twitter account was, you know, quote, tweeting politicians complaining about the student loan debt and then saying, you know, this Congress person received one hundred and twelve thousand dollars in PPP loans and had it forgiven. Fair comparison Apples and oranges, some overlap in the concept. Do both sides have a little bit of a point here? How would you kind of figure out? Because, I mean, past the, the trash talking aspect of yeah. it. But when you break it down, you know, is there something there?
1: So ignoring the the partisan aspect of those types of uh, discussions or, or arguments, uh, I, I certainly uh, think it's an unfair comparison to, to, to compare student loan forgiveness to PPP loans, where, you know, PPP loans, there's there's something where the the government was not only trying to, you know, help the economy not you know, fall off a cliff with the, the pandemic, but also there was government imposed shutdowns and and things that were basically directly causing businesses to be unable to operate. And so, you know, PPP was a policy, not only for stimulus purposes, but also to compensate for other government policy that was directly, you know, harming or preventing businesses from operating in the first place. And so there, you know, people willingly taking money or PPP loans that turned into the grants you know, it's, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's, it was um uh, hypocrisy for them to, to be in favor of those or to take that type of money, but then be against student loan forgiveness, where I think at least from their perspective, and I think this is another thing that was always polarizing about the student loan debt forgiveness plan in the first place is it's, it's all who you think is actually the you know median student loan borrower. Uh, and I think a lot of people from that perspective would see Giving out money to student loan debt, I, I mentioned earlier, and I've said it maybe a couple of times. You know, it's about forty-five million people, maybe about twenty percent of working-age adults. You know, less than than half of of working-age adults have a a bachelor's degree, right? If you're you're kind of giving money to this uh, part of the population. Well, that's, that's not quite the same as kind of giving, you know, emergency funding when, when businesses are, are shut down, you know, these are people who are presumably better off for being able to, uh, attain higher education and and their earnings should reflect that. And, and the thought was, Hey, well, why are we giving stimulus to this particular group, which, uh, is, is much better off. And, and, and they're the only kind of pushback I give to that type of argument is that certainly the, the vast, dollar amount of debt is concentrated in people with, you know, graduate degrees and often, you know, higher earning, you know, doctors and lawyers and people who had to take out more debt to, to fund their graduate school. And so certainly those people, you wouldn't think that, hey, they, you wouldn't think they need any sort of special government handout. But actually, when you look at the student loan debt side of things, the, the people who were delinquent or who defaulted on their debt are actually disproportionately people with lower balances, which may seem counterintuitive, but these are people who actually didn't necessarily graduate, uh, didn't actually reap the the benefits of any sort of higher education and are just saddled with this, you know, perhaps not huge amount of debt, but a, a large enough them. debt burden to cause, you know, problems uh, for them. And and I think, you know, that's the people who ideally we'd like to target and, and help the most, where you factor this in with the idea that you also had this kind of for-profit college boom starting in the late 2010s or, or sorry late 2000s or late 2010s, where you know analysis or, or lawsuits since then have, have shown that there's there's definitely misconduct in that sector or maybe you know false advertising or false promises where you had a lot of government debt kind of supporting people going to those types of schools who didn't necessarily get a return on their education. And therefore, you know, those are the people that at least you could have a little more sympathy for because, you know, they, they got a lot of debt, they were promised things that, that didn't materialize, uh, and, and they're not able to to maintain payments. And so I think that's kind of just who, who do you think you're actually helping is, is always, I think, determines how you, you look at that policy in the first place.